The opinions expressed on the ACB Media Network are those of the respective program contributors and cannot be assumed to serve as endorsements of products or views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. This is ACB Media, the broadcast home of the ACB 2022 Conference and Convention. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Furry Tales. I am Anthony Corona, host of Sunday Edition, and we have a very special program this year. It's our inaugural Furry Tales Recognition Program. Um, Sarah Pleasantdorf, president of GDUI, and Maria Hansen on the board as well are here with us. Hey, ladies. Hi. Hello, Anthony. Hi, Maria. Hello. Hello. So, we're going to be starting pretty quickly, um, but we need to make an announcement due to some supply chain issues and um, the plaques need to be engraved. We were unable to get them for convention. They will be going out in the mail between the 16th and the 20th. Everybody will be receiving them at their home um, during the week of the 16th, 20th, 24th. If for some reason by the 24th or 25th, you haven't received your plaque, please send us an email and we will get tracking and find out what's going on for that. So sorry. This is our inaugural year and we're learning a lot. And Sarah, um, (laughs) next year, I think it'll be a lot smoother, right? I think you're right, Anthony. We we have learned uh, that, you know, some things uh, that we need to polish up on and we appreciate everybody's uh, patience. And uh, as Anthony said, this is the class of 2022, our first year. So um, uh, it's we're exciting. We're very excited to to have the furry tales. So, Sarah, absolutely. We need to give you, your board and all the members of GDUI a huge round of applause for greenlighting this project, for underwriting the cost of the plaques that every uh, picture frames, really. It's um, they're beautiful. They're paw shaped. They're going to have a nice inscription. The inscription that we chose to go with, it was two feet four paws, one heart. So you'll see your dog's name, um, the class of 2022 furry tales, that inscription. And then under that is a four by four um, inlay where you can place your own photo of your skilled professional. So we're going to go straight into our pre-recorded, those who could not join us here in person. We're going to hear their letters, a little bit about them and their dog. And then afterwards, we're going to talk to some folks that are here in person. So, Sarah, any other remarks before Jeff runs our presentation? Uh, if anybody's interested in joining GDUI, it's $15. And visit our website at gdui.org. Um, I, that's all I have. And Maria has a minute. Um, you can still buy drawing tickets for the four plush pups in harness. Um, until noon uh, convention time on Wednesday, you can go to gdui.org and purchase them via PayPal or call the office. And the three convention specials that we have, $5 off the pouches, the harness signs, or the accessible beacons, you can do that on the website uh, through PayPal or again, call um, the office. Sarah, what's that number? It's 866-799-8436. Thank 
Thank you. Oh, and the drawing uh, for the pups will be at 530 convention time on Wednesday. So buy the tickets by noon on Wednesday. Thank you. All right. Awesome. And Sunday edition airs on ACB Media One every Sunday at 1 p.m. You can find it on all your major podcast catchers right after the show airs live on ACB Media One. The third Sunday in August, we will be running a furry tales presentation to coincide with the website, with the pictures, the testimonials, et cetera, et cetera. So we're really excited about that. Please look out for announcements. And Jeff, if you're ready, we're ready for our presentation. I am so very excited. A friend of mine, a supporter of a huge supporter, and I think you've been on the board of GDUI, as well as a huge supporter of BPI and Sunday Edition, Margie Donovan. Please tell us about your puppy. Furry Paws nomination. I am nominating my first seeing eye dog, Winston, who was a male black lab, for the Furry Paws Award. I obtained Winston in 1981 when I was still in high school. Many people to this day remember Winston and I as a team. Some would even say we flew downstairs without taking a step. Winston and I made such an incredible team we influenced many people to apply for their first guide dog. Winston completed high school and undergrad school with me. He was in my wedding and at the birth of my son. Even though Winston was an outstanding guide, and he left a lasting impression for many blind people, I am primarily submitting this application as he also served as an animal-assisted therapy dog. Winston and I volunteered for the San Francisco SPCA in their animal-assisted therapy program. We visited many locked psychiatric units for youth and adolescents. While we always took in another animal from the program, Winston was the only dog allowed in, as he was a guide dog. The last 10 minutes of every session, I took him out of harness and allowed the youth to play with him. For many of the youth, Winston brought out a level of confidence and willingness for these youth to participate in the animal-assisted therapy program. According to the staff, some participants commented that this is more like being at home, having a dog to play with, while the residents did not necessarily care for all the animals we brought in such as a skunk, a raccoon, a tortoise, snakes, and chinchillas. They always showed up knowing they would get to have time with Winston for the last part of the program. Winston especially loved playing ball with the youth after they were done loving on him and petting him. Winston brought a therapeutic aspect to this program, which otherwise would not have been allowed, as pet dogs were not allowed inside. One very memorable and tearful moment came when Winston and I were providing animal-assisted therapy at a senior facility in San Francisco. A lady began petting Winston and a few minutes later she had begun speaking about her dogs she previously had in her life. These were the first words this woman had spoken in more than 10 years, according to the staff. The staff was quite moved, and they shared this story with me. I was awestricken. I had heard for years how dogs can really help people in many ways. I had no idea that they could encourage someone to speak after years of not speaking. Winston also served in preschools and grade schools to teach students about guide dogs. Following the presentations, I allowed children to pet Winston. In summary, Winston served as an incredible guide, a therapy dog, an educator, and he influenced many to get their first guide dogs. Winston was a male black lab. He was my first guide. I was 19, senior year of high school when I got him. And, you know, I remember when I got the letter with my airline tickets and I had a P.O. box at the time and I was jumping down the stairs of the post office so excited. And then I got an airplane. I got there and then I got my dog the next day. And it was the best thing in the world. At that time, I still had some sight but I was a full-time cane user. And to just from moving from being a cane user to a guide dog user was phenomenal. A few things that stand out in my mind about Winston. The week we got home, we were crossing a street and he saved my life. A car came out of nowhere. And um, at that time, they taught them differently. Um, he crossed my body and I stopped. And then the car went by and we got to the up curb and he turned around. And I kid you not, this dog jumped up in the air, put his front paws on my shoulders as if to say, I'm such a good boy. And 
that kind of clinched the deal for me. You know, class is one thing and then you get home and you're in real life. The other thing is even to this day, so many people have told me that Winston was the one that made them get a guide dog. You know, seeing us as a working team and flying all over the place. And I was young and much more athletic and, and we did fly. And I did animal assisted therapy with him, which is really, really cool. He completed my undergrad and my graduate school and he was in my wedding and he was under the bed when I gave birth to my son. So he really was a key element of probably my first 10 years of my adulthood. My son was three when I retired him. And the one thing that I remember is on the way back home, he says, I wish we could have kept Winston. I'm like, it's a little late now. (laughs) He was just not only a phenomenal guide and he taught me so much about guide dogs. And, you know, I never cleaned up after my dog then. I'm, I'm ashamed to say it. And after that, I learned to clean up. And But he was just an incredible dog. His personality. I'll tell another quick story about him. I had scolded him for something he did wrong. I can't remember what it was. And he was in my bedroom and I had guessed over. I had an apartment and he was crawling out of my bedroom on his belly so I wouldn't hear his chain. And my sighted friend says, you know, Winston's at the kitchen crawling out on his belly. <laughs> I'll never forget that. He he seemed to always outsmart me in one way or another. So I just, I'm so honored and thankful that my first guide that I got 41 years ago on July 17th, we came home and is, is being recognized for his incredible work as a guide, as a therapy dog, a dog that saved my life, a dog that impacted, I would say without exaggeration, at least 25 people's lives. And there's still people who think we fly downstairs because of Winston. Thank you. I I have to know, under the bed while you gave birth, and is it true that your first always holds a special place in your heart? Yes, absolutely. You know, I used to think it gets easier to retire a dog. It gets harder the older you get, I think now. But um, yeah, Winston has that special place in my heart. Each dog does, but the first really that transitioned me from a cane to a dog holds a very special place in my heart. And after, you know, you've had multiple guide dogs after all these years, is there anything that you would have done differently with Winston knowing all you know now? Oh, absolutely. And please tell us <laughs> under the bed. I, I, we need to know under the bed while you gave birth. How did that happen? Um, well, he came to the hospital with us and um, he, he slept through it all miraculously. Only a lab could do that, I believe. <laughs> He didn't care. He slept through it all. And when we got home with the baby, it was just normal for him. I am very honored to announce one of the winners of the first Furry Tales hosted by Sunday Edition and GDUI. And I am very honored to present and um, mention Dawn Brush. She has submitted a nomination. And uh, Dawn can you tell us about your guide dog that you nominated for Furry Tales? To Whimsy, the one and only, by Don Brush. Introduction. 20 years ago exactly at the time of this writing, in May of 2002, my life changed forever. As a young blind girl growing up on a farm, from one to five dogs occupied my days. Dogs herded the animals, flushed out pheasants for hunters and provided a pastime for a girl who told stories about her dogs to anyone who'd listen. When the last farm dog passed away, a huge void occurred on the farm and in my heart. After my divorce, there was no doubt that a dog would again enter my life, and I asked myself, why not enhance your mobility with a guide dog and get a pet all in one package? Guiding Eyes for the Blind In February 2002, I applied for a guide dog at GAB, 
Completed the interview process and got accepted into the May class. Oh, happy day. I spent 28 days in training. And on dog day the anticipation is overwhelming. When I heard. Don gets a yellow lab named Whimsy. My heart soared. The trainer brought her into the room. And Whimsy, or Whiskey as Grandma called her, put her paws on my lap and licked my face. What a thrill. I couldn't stop touching her silky ears and soft fur. The bonding process is unique for each team. And I remember the exact moment I felt that connection. I placed Whimsy on her tie-down in my room. And I went into the bathroom. Suddenly, I heard her whine. I knew she missed me and that our bond was complete. For our graduation, Luann, Whimsy's puppy Razor made the seven-hour trip to share the day with me and the precious dog who melted our hearts. Friends of Whimsy. Once again the farm came alive with Whimsy, who rode in the pickup, enjoyed rides on the golf cart, guided me down the country roads and chased a cat. We flew to Arizona to visit my parents, who wintered there. Whimsy chose her favorite people including Sydney, a little girl who walked Whimsy on her leash and stated, Whimsy, you crack me up. For a treat Whimsy loved carrots and followed Rita to her park model and sat on the step to wait for her carrot. When I worked at the SD school for the blind, students would say, there's Whimsy. Oh, hi Don. You know who ranked first. As one friend put it, Don, I've never seen you smile so much. Whimsy and I showed staff and students the importance of guide work. During a state convention of the blind, Whimsy and I sat at the front table. When my parents walked in, she stood up and ran to them. College days, after a lapse in attending classes at the local university, I questioned whether Whimsy would remember to take the jog in the sidewalk. Sure enough, she found it like a pro. During lecture she laid quietly by my desk. However, when I tried a geology class, she must have been as bored as I was and loudly snored. Students snickered and the professor showed irritation. We didn't return. On the day of college graduation, I felt proud of my achievements, especially with a guide dog on my team. Top-notch work. During our 10 working years, Whimsy safely guided me across streets, traveled with me on icy sidewalks, talked with students at schools, attended Lions Club meetings and accompanied me to the homes of clients which brought them great joy. Final journey. All too soon the time arrived for me to retire Whimsy to my parents where I could often visit her. On the day before I left to train with a new dog, we attended church where I cried through the entire service. At home I fiercely hugged my dog and took off the harness for the last time. Fast forward to October, 2014, when I woke in the morning. My dad said this wasn't going to be a good day because Whimsy had suffered a stroke. The traveling vet came to put her down. The pain of loss was so horrific that I didn't think I could survive. I purchased a beautiful urn made of wood to honor her. An article, to Whimsy be the glory, earned her second place in a contest to honor service dogs. Thank you for the opportunity to share some memories slash tales of Whimsy as I followed my dog. Thank you very much. I am so honored to be a recipient because this isn't for me. This is for Whimsy, my dog that I I trained with at Guiding Eyes for the Blind in 2002. And at that time, some of you knew me as Dawn Flewellen. I was married to Dean Flewellen for over 20 years. And at the time um, that I was at Guiding Eyes, um, the divorce became final. Some of you old timers in ACB um, knew me back then. I Grew up on a farm. I had a dog in my life since I was a very little girl. Grew up with, at one time, I had five dogs that were my friends on the farm. At one time, we had 27 puppies that we raised and sold. And so that gives you an idea of how much I care for dogs. And I decided that I wanted a dog. And rather than to get just a pet dog, why not get a guide dog? And then I'd also have a pet. So when I sent in my application to Guiding Eyes, got accepted, uh, went there. Oh, wow. It was cool. And when I first met Whimsy, she put her paws on my lap 
and licked my face, and I knew that we were friends. But as I mentioned in the article, we bonded when I was in my room one day. Actually, I was in the restroom, and Whimsy was on her tie-down, and I heard her whine, and I knew that she was missing me and that we had bonded. Whimsy had so many friends and does to this day. People still talk about her. When I trained with my new dog, Meadow, a year ago, one day when I was at my church, someone came up to me and said, oh, how's Whimsy? Well, Meadow is also a yellow lab, although she looks somewhat different, but you know, that's just the friendships. And people just loved Whimsy and just always talked about her. And she was just a special, special dog. And she changed my life because I traveled faster. I crossed streets quicker. And those are the wonderful, wonderful areas of having a guide dog that really, you know, help, help me. I now have Meadow, who is the third dog. Breezy is the middle child, and she retired in New York with her razors. I kept Whimsy because at the time, I could not give her up. So she lived with my parents, and I got to see her a lot. And um, she and, and Breezy, they got along just fine, along with a Cavalier King Charles Spaniel named Maya. You know, that's the way it was. What's your favorite memory of Whimsy? My favorite memory of Whimsy. I think it was actually, you know, when we bonded and there are so many. She just always seemed to be very attentive to me. When I would take a nap, she would lay by me. And when we went to bed at night, she laid in a different position. It's those memories that just stay in your heart. Thank you so much, Dawn. We are so happy that you nominated Wednesday, and we can't wait for you to see the finished product on the website. I will be so proud. Thank you. I am so very happy to present a Furry Tales class of 2022 to Andrea Judice and her dog, Anders. So tell us a little about Anders, Andrea. On February 18, 2013, I met Anders, my seventh guide. He was a big furry stranger, cute and friendly, but an unknown quantity as a partner. He did not bolster my confidence when, moments after meeting him, he exuberantly spun in circles chasing his tail. To make matters more ominous for my belief in him as a guide, he caught his vigorously wagging tail and promptly fell over. My precise thought, I am going to die, and die spectacularly. Even at 17 months old Anders worked like a veteran guide. He embodied the very essence of leave work at work in harness he was a consummate professional. Out of harness he was a goofy lummox. Anders gave 8.5 years of service. He, without complaint, guided in the cold, hot, wet, and snow along both familiar and completely unknown routes. Sure, I lavished praise. Treats, pats, and ear scritches. However, these fell ridiculously short of the mark when measured against the enormity of all he gave to me. I offer a day in the life glimpse of the A-team, when something becomes so routine as to overshadow its amazingness. Let me tell you about my walk home from the store today. I left the store and cut through the parking lot to the small sidewalk located at its far side, strategically located amongst the bushes and trees, with bustling cart pushing people, large trucks backing away from the loading dock for whom I was smaller than their blind spot, and cars whizzing to and fro providing moving obstacles to be avoided I walked past the bus, currently not running as is often the case because the driver takes a break at this location, sitting at the bus stop just beyond the parked bus I passed the garbage can, obviously recently emptied as it gave off no smell, and paused at the driveway to the post office, I continued along the sidewalk to the mid-block crosswalk, 
the first of two in front of my apartment complex, that is directly across from the path I took when heading out to the store 20 minutes earlier. After crossing the street, I headed down the first of four possible paths to enter my apartment complex all of which I use regularly. Coincidentally, the one I used this morning when leaving for the store. Traversing this diagonal path, shifting slightly left to avoid the almost complete blockage created by the traffic barrier used to discourage driving on this pedestrian walkway I continued to the intersecting path on the right, again one of many similar paths, that I need to take to get to my apartment. After taking a left onto yet another intersecting walkway, as before one of many, I took the fifth sidewalk on the left, my front walk, finally arriving at my front door, a front door that is at the end of a front path all of which are identical and can only be distinguished by reading the numbers above the mailboxes located outside each apartment. So why have I shared this story? The reason is that as I was returning from the store I realized that I was thinking of the walk and all the details I just outlined as nothing special when actually every step of that journey was amazing. Because I was working my guide dog, each aspect of the walk home highlighted above, was accomplished as a result of the extraordinary training and prowess of Anders. Through his skillful guiding, nonverbal communication, and our remarkable partnership I was able to walk straight across a parking lot to a very small section of sidewalk, not worry that the non-reliable, yet so necessary to me when using my cane, orientation cues of the bus stop and garbage can were unavailable this day because of the non-running bus and non-smelly garbage can, stop at a driveway that is unmarked and difficult to distinguish and go directly to the mid-block crosswalk. Follow a bewildering maze of intersecting paths and go unerringly to my front door which is like all other front doors in my complex. To do all this without seeing any of it is so awesomely, unbelievably amazing. Yet due to the ease with which Anders does his work I allow myself to think of it as just business as usual and, I expect, this is how he sees it. I could search every dictionary ever published and would still never find the right words to express my unending respect or fathomless gratitude for you, Anders. Anders is my most recently retired guide. He's my sixth guide. He was my sixth guide dog, a very large yellow Labrador from Guide Dogs for the Blind. And a lot of people here so far anyway, have talked about their first guide and there is nothing like the first guide dog. But for me, there's something amazingly unique about my partnership with Anders and five years wouldn't be enough to tell you. He worked with me for eight and a half years, which to date is the longest. I'm hoping that maybe my current guide and I can go for 30, but three things happened very quickly when I met Anders that ha- that rarely happen with one guide dog Never mind having all of them happen with the same guide dog. The first is that I truly and honestly fell in love with him within seconds of meeting him. It was like unreal. And I, I, I literally felt everything just fall in love with his enormous self. The second thing was that very atypically, when I picked up his harness handle and we started to work that very first time, we worked in sync as if we had been working together for many months instead of it being our very first workout, which is hugely abnormal and, and atypical. And the third thing was that although Anders was only 17 months old when I met him and had, and had truly only completed his training, the fri- I got him on a Monday, received him Monday evening, started working him Tuesday morning. He had completed his training the Friday before. He worked as if he were a seasoned guide. He worked as if he were a reissue guide that had already had experience in the field. So those were three remarkable things that set my partnership with him apart within the first eight hours of meeting him. And that's how our partnership went the whole time. He was and continues to be a remarkably intelligent, ridiculously goofy, enormously magnetic animal. He had the most 
amazing ability to be completely focused when he was working. And yet when the harness came off, the switch that switched was so quick that people would think he had no training at all. I was in a park one day with him on a leash, not in his harness. And some people came along and I was so proud. And I said, oh, this is my guide dog. He's off duty. And they said, oh, he's one of those dogs that failed. And I said, no, 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 he's a guide dog. He's just not working right now. And the gentleman rested his hand on my arm and he said, dear, are you going to be safe to get home? So his off duty self was truly, he truly embraced the when work is done, work is done. One of the most endearing things about him, well, there were so many, but when he was excited about something, when he had found what I was looking for, when he found the elevator or found the park bench or the garbage can or whatever it was, he would jump up in the air like a little little kid jumping up and down with joy. And sometimes he, he'd jump so high, like his front feet would clear my shoulder. He just was so happy that he'd done what I asked. He would, of course, never do that at street crossings or someplace where it wasn't safe, but he just was so delirious with joy. He outthought me all the time, ran circles around me mentally and physically, endlessly, and taught me how to be a really, really amazing handler. And at and when you're in your sixth dog, sometimes you can get pretty arrogant and think that you don't have a lot to learn. And that is not in any way accurate. The trainer from Guide Dogs for the Blind that placed him with me, I did an in-home training, was Toby Contreras. And in um, the spring of 2020, in 2012, Toby did a, fo- a regular follow-up with me, with my, with my guide dog that I had at that time. And then he got Anders in training. And as soon as he got him, he knew that this was a dog that I would love. And he's like, well, that's really too bad because this is a great dog for Andrea, but Andrea doesn't need a dog. And as that training continued, he felt more and more strongly that this would be a perfect dog for me. And even though he was glad my dog was working well, he was like, wow, this would just be such an amazing dog for Andrea. And then I went to class. My dog retired unexpectedly. I went to class in January of 2013. I was on the Oregon campus and Toby saw me and he's like, oh my gosh, Andrea came to class and I have this dog that's like two months from completing training. And he could have been her dog and he's so perfect for her, but now she's in class. And so yet again, I'm wrong. This is not the dog for Andrea. And then eight hours before graduation, that amazing guide dog that I was placed with was medically dropped from the program. And Toby got this email and all he read was the guide dog that Andrea had was medically dropped. And, and he said, he went running on to the supervisor's office and said, I've got the dog for Andrea. And so as soon as they completed training, he came out into the home placement and he says, and I, I, this is just the most amazing quote. He says that in all of his years of placing dogs, this is the gold standard of his placements. And in spite of everything and in all the dogs, and they're all wonderful and amazing and we love them all, but there's something so amazing about my guide dog, Anders Gus Judici Hooper, because he's now a Hooper because he has a new retirement family. And I'm so honored that he's receiving this award. He so richly deserves it. Well, thank you so much for sharing that. Your letter was amazing. And <laughs> we're so happy to induct Anders into the class of 2022 Furry Tales. Thank you so much. I'm very honored to announce that Annie Chiapetta nominated her guide dog Verona to the Furry Tales event and we are very honored that she is one of the winners. So Annie, if you would please tell us about Verona. My Forever Dog by Anne Chiapetta. Leaning upon the words of writer and journalist John Grogan, Verona was not just a good dog, but a great one. Former family, friends, colleagues, and clients commented on how politely she interacted with them. Often, she would lay her head on a knee for petting or offer her belly for a rub and instinctively know when to intervene with therapy clients. She even knew when to stay on the dog bed during contentious couples therapy sessions. She deserved a gold medal for the endless hours of knowing when and how to approach clients in their journey of pain and trauma. I could not have chosen a better canine partner for a dog guide and co-therapist. Here are a few snapshots of how much Verona achieved in her role as my canine partner. The time I sat with a traumatized child on the floor. Verona between us on her back. Both of us inspecting a paw. Assisted me in building upon a trusting. 
therapeutic relationship. Another time as a family and I were talking. The five-year-old and Verona fell asleep together on the floor under the conference table. She was perfect with relieving stressful or boring meetings with loud snoring and puppy dreaming. When she retired, the local news sent a photographer into the office to take her picture and the reporter wrote an article and it was featured on the first page of the lifestyle section. After retiring from being a guide dog, Verona and I received our therapy dog team certification from the Good Dog Foundation and worked with two local libraries in a reading program for children. A child would sit with Verona on the floor and read to her. When the kid was finished, I'd say, Verona, isn't that great? In a happy voice and she would wag her tail and the smile that blossomed on the child's lips was like sunshine on a cloudy day. Another great story is how devoted she was with my husband, Jerry. Once she retired, Jerry would take her upstate to hike in the woods. One year he put out the turkey blind and shot a turkey. Verona was not gun shy and seemed to instinctively understand how to be a good hunting companion. He shot a big tom turkey and stepped out of the blind and said, let's go get it. And she ran past him, trying to pounce on the huge bird in its final minutes. She was a great canine ambassador and impressed everyone who knew her. She kept me from harm more than once, pulling us from a huge sheet of ice that slid into the crosswalk from the top of an aiding wheeler, going around innumerable construction barriers, avoiding a collision with a speeding bicyclist, open holes in sidewalks, and hustling me away from an unstable and violent street person who threatened to beat you and your ugly mod. She inspired many of my blog posts, poems and essays. She is the focus of my memoir, Follow Your Dog A Story of Love and Trust. She was the right dog at the right time and she has a forever place in our hearts. Thank you for taking the time to read and hear about all our guide dog stories. Every one of them is a canine hero. Thank you, everybody, for the opportunity and listening to the stories that, that I've just heard just warms my heart. Verona was my first. She was a black lab from Guiding Eyes for the Blind. And the first thing that I could say about Verona is that she was probably a lot smarter than me, a lot calmer than me, a lot more empathetic than me. And she taught me so much about myself and what I could tolerate and what I could achieve. I got her in 2009 and every day, the whole time I was at Guiding Eyes, she taught me new things. Originally, she was my co-therapist when I was working as a counselor. And then after she retired, she became a good dog foundation therapy dog. And we worked as a team with then. She was instinctive and intuitive about who to comfort, how to comfort them, and when not to comfort them. And I always wondered about that, you know, like if I had somebody who was acting out in, in my therapy room or whatever, Verona just knew when not to engage. And I always found that really interesting about her. She just had this way of being. I will say that having had her uh, retire a little bit early because of medical conditions gave me the opportunity to work through that before I received my second dog and it taught me how to let go, how to be able to accept that, how to, how to have a different relationship with her, how to encourage uh, my husband to have a relationship with her so that I could be free to bond with my other dog. So we, we all learned a lot together because of Verona. She was just an amazing dog and she had her silly moments. She would drool when she saw ducks or geese. Um, you know, um, stuff like that. She, you know, and uncontrollably drool at, you know, like we'd be sitting at the bus stop and she'd see pigeons and she would just start drooling and be like, oh, that's just, yes, it's just not, that's unladylike, unladylike. And she loved to jump into any body of water. If she wasn't on leash, she would be in the lake or be in the pond. She was very good with cats. And when I asked my puppy raiser about why she was so good with cats, my puppy raiser, uh, Verona's puppy raiser, she said, well, I have a funny story about that. And I said, yeah. She said, well, 
when I first got Verona at, she had a ranch in Massachusetts. She said that when Verona saw the cats in, in the ranch house for the first time, she chased them. <laughs> all over the place and she was like oh my god what do i do with this dog that chases cats how am i gonna stop her but by the time i got verona she wouldn't like that at all she had she had gotten over her cat chasing <laughs> but she, yeah What's your she, favorite me- memory annie my favorite memory i think my favorite memory is i was working with this traumatized child and she wasn't trusting me and I asked her to sit down on the floor with me and Verona and I said why don't you just rub Verona's belly for a little while and she did and then she was like inspecting her feet and her mouth and looking in her ear and her toenails and Verona just let her do all of that to her and then the kid looked up at me and said you know I'll talk now And so Verona was like that kind of, uh, she just had this way about her and she encouraged people's trust and love. And that's what she taught me. So thank you very much for listening. And I can't wait to hear all the other stories. And thanks for the opportunity for letting us all memorialize our best friends. The reason that I wanted to partner with GDY and do furry tales is. I truly feel that Bodhi, that's my current guide dog, my first guide dog. I feel like Bodhi saved my life. I, when I lost my sight suddenly at the age of 40 years old, I was lost and the cane just wasn't doing it for me. And, you know, they gave me a shot at Guide Dog Foundation way before two years of complete and pure independent mobility skills. But the, the trainer that came down to do my walk with me thought he saw something in me and said, this guy needs a dog. And I was not partnered with Bodhi. Actually, Bodhi was a replacement four days into my my training. And I had his brother, Al, who subsequently became a DEA dog. But Al was just way too much dog for me. And I found myself in a, in a mall where we were training, literally yoking him to the point where he was coming up off his paws. And they're yelling at me, no, 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 control him. You, you're the boss, et cetera. And I'm saying to myself, I can't strangle this dog. I can't do this. And I thought to myself, okay, if I can't make this work, then it's over for me. And then they said, let's try you with another dog. And they put the harness handle and the leash in my hand. And from that moment, and I kid you not, everybody listening, from that moment, when I walked mm-hmm. with Bodhi, I knew it was it. They told me at the school, I was the only one who was a first-time dog user. They told me at the school, oh, it's going to take six, eight, maybe even a year until you fully trust this partnership. I trusted him from the moment we started walking together. And so thinking about, you know, we have the Angels Wall and, and, and the beautiful, you know, tributes that we do to our members. I was so excited to do a beautiful tribute to the dogs that have meant so much to us. Thank you for that, Anthony. Patty Slavy has nominated her puppy, Reagan, and we are so proud to introduce Reagan into the class of 2022 Furry Tales. Patty, tell us about your relationship with Reagan. Well, I'm eager to share about Radiant Reagan. I was so happy when we were selected and so excited to be in this program, which I think is just truly a wonderful tribute to our really good friends. I I was an older user and didn't know um, if I really wanted a dog or not, but was encouraged by some of the guide dog schools at the conventions. And then um, I applied to a school here in Wisconsin called Occupaws Guide Dogs. 
and that's where I got Reagan. She came as a um, British yellow lab. She, she's a very beautiful dog. Everyone tells me she's a very, very expressive dog. Everyone talks about how she smiles, how much she talks with her eyes. And um, it's just happy, the happiest animal I've ever met. And I also grew up on a farm, so I've had dogs all my life. And she is a very happy, but very quiet and comes sometimes kind of shy dog. But when you pick up the harness, she is ready to Let's get up and get moving, as they say. She was raised in um, Oshkosh, which is where one of our um, state prisons happens to be. And part of the program that they have in that city is they pick certain dogs and certain groups of, of men that are trained specially to work with the guide dogs. So she actually stayed in the prison for a few months. And when she returned from Portland, where she actually had her guide dog training, before she came to me, they had written to my trainer and begged them to please bring her back because they wanted to have a party for her. And I just thought that was so special. And she came with, with gifts from them, homemade treats. And it was so touching to know that, oh my gosh, this dog is really special. And she was, when she came in, she came in and sat down, I mean, laid down actually right by me and met her sister. Um, I have a, a small Pekingese dog. And within five minutes, that Pekingese dog made sure that Reagan knew she was the princess and that Abby, the other dog, was the queen. Mm-hmm. Um, Reagan, Reagan loves to do all kinds of stuff. She loves to play and run. We, we are lucky and fortunate to have a fenced in backyard. And I think her, her favorite joy in life are children. And I do go to schools and, and speak about, you know, blindness and, and, uh, visual impairments and, and now about the guide dog. And often at the end, the, the children will say, can we pet her? So what we, we do is we all get in a big circle. I take the harness off and she's, crawling into everybody's lap. And she somehow knows which children have special needs or maybe are having a bad day because she always goes to those children first. And I'll be leaving the classroom after I've spoken to the children. And the teachers will always come and say, she knew which boy or girl to pick today. That was just meant so much to me as a teacher. And I just think that's really special about Reagan that she can sense that. And I think that's why I picked her to do this story because she, you know, told us about one of our neighbors that was in a medical condition out side, we would have never known if it had not been for Reagan who alerted us that this woman needed help. I think that was one of the most touching experiences I've ever had with any kind of animal. And to think that it was my guide dog. She just loves people. We, we can go into mm-hmm. my into my credit union and she'll stop at the door and look around. I, I keep saying, go forward. Let's, let's find, you know, our, our lady that we want to talk to. But she has to take her inventory of who's there because certain ones, you know, talk to her or, you know, make eye contact with her. And that's usually the ones we end up with. But it's it's fine with me. I know them all and they're all just great. But it's just so funny how she walks in and just puts the brakes on and takes that time to look around. She loves to shop. Um, I remodeled my home in, in the last three years, and we spent a lot of time at the building centers, um, you know, like Menards or whichever building center you're at. But, it, you know, sometimes it would take us a while to pick out what style we wanted, what colors, and all of a sudden the, the people would come out. They began to know us in this one store and they say, oh, here comes our dog. Here comes our dog. And I'm like, well, I'm the one spending the money. But then she would just curl up and go to sleep right by one of the, the shelving units. And, and, you know, when we were finished, I just called her and 
we were we were ready to leave the store. She she's my first dog, and I trained in in my hometown, which is what I really wanted because it's a rural area. So we have a a lot of you know no sidewalks in a lot of the area where I walk, which can make it very difficult at times to cross to make sure you're in the crosswalk and to find you know locations because you don't have those landmarks of when you're at the end of the street. Sometimes you don't know exactly where that corner is. But with her, I can travel almost anywhere within the city. And um, she's just a wonderful friend. I'm so glad that I have a guide dog and I wish I hadn't waited so long, but she means a lot. And everyone wants to call her a he because her name is Reagan. So I call her President Reagan, the girl. And that's how they all know that it's a female guide dog. Thank you very that much. That is awesome, Patty. Let me ask you this. What is the funniest thing that Reagan ever did? The funniest thing that Reagan ever did was to eat the $5 bill. Oh, <laughs> oh my goodness. She, I didn't realize I had dropped it. I didn't realize she adopted, and I didn't know it was gone until we were cleaning up the yard. And the the sighted individual helping me goes, "You're not kidding. There's a five dollar bill out in this in this uh, relief area." <laughs> and he says, and, "And would you like to have it?" I'm like, "Sure." <laughs> oh my goodness, that really that really has been a funny story. So many people laugh at that story. So I'm very careful now about what I drop on the floor. <laughs> Reagan and the five dollar bill, Patty. Thank you so much. <laughs> I am very honored to announce that Maria Hansen nominated uh, one of her dogs for in the Furry Tales event. And I am very excited to say that uh, Maria's dog, Lady, has been one of the winners. So Maria, please tell us about Lady. Furry Tales nominee, I nominate my second guide, leader dog lady, for a Furry Tales award. She was just 15 months old when we were matched in 1969 and we were a working team until her passing in 1977. We spent our first year together at the University of Michigan, student teaching and obtaining a secondary teaching certificate. The following year, we moved to Manhattan to begin a master's program at New York U. Living in New York City felt overwhelming at first trusting one another. We progressively expanded our travels throughout the city by learning to use buses and then subways. Next, we spent a year at the University of Stockholm. We reached a compromise with the Swedish Royal Veterinary Society to exempt Lady from a four-month quarantine. Lady was the first guide dog to enter Sweden via this accommodation. We returned to New York City, finished an MA and taught at a public high school in the Bronx. We attended Columbia University School of Law from 1974 to 1977. We spent the summer of 1975 at the International Institute of Human Rights in Strasbourg, France and the summer of 1976 representing a non-governmental organization at the United Nations Sub Committee on Human Rights in Geneva, Switzerland. We continued that work at the U.S. Mission to the United Nations New York and at various non-governmental organizations dealing with human rights. I remember attending a lecture given by Professor Ruth Bader Ginsburg, RBG. She stated that under common law, wives were considered to be the personal property chattel of their husbands along with their horses and dogs. Lady took exception to that statement, stood up and started banging her harness against my desk in the lecture hall. We once went on a tour of Natzwiller-Strathof, the only Nazi concentration camp on French soil. We were originally denied admittance because, it was said, Lady might be upsetting to others on the tour when the camp was operational. Guards had patrolled the perimeter between double fences with German shepherds. After assuring them that Lady was calm and not at all aggressive, we were allowed to rejoin our group. Everything was fine until we entered the medical building where the crematorium had been located and where pseudoscientific medical experimentation had been conducted. 
lady lost it. Panicked and dragged me out of and away from that building. She was a quivering mess and I had to comfort and reassured her that we were all right. She was so sensitive and I believe that she truly channeled the unspeakable evil that engulfed that building. While returning home via subway one evening, we had to change to a connecting train on a double-edged platform. A deranged individual started yelling and I thought that I had walked into a fight. I didn't realize that he was yelling about my dog. He struck me but I was wearing a thick jacket and wasn't hurt. A good Samaritan, a visually impaired ex-marine by the way, subdued the assailant until the transit police arrived and took him into custody. Through all this, Lady positioned herself in front of me and remained alert. Fearless and calm Lady was adaptable and ready for any adventure we lived on several campuses, in several large cities and in several countries during our eight short years together she was a great ambassador and broke down many barriers including at the United Nations. Both in Switzerland and New York Lady was an amazing guide. She gave this shy, insecure, totally blind young Midwesterner confidence, poisoned a sense of security I could relax because public attention was re-directed away from me and onto her she was a wonderful companion and always made life easier and more enjoyable I have used the word we throughout this nomination that's because, during our years together, I can't remember or imagine myself without Lady I was so proud and fortunate to have this beautiful shepherd at my side. I nominated Lady who was my second guide dog and uh, Anthony you spoke about and people the first one being the most important important. Lady was the first dog that I really assertively applied for. My first dog, I was pressured into getting and it was a very uneasy relationship. I was in denial about my vision. When I got Lady, I was so ready for a guide dog. You know, I had traveled for a couple of years even overseas without a dog and doing different things. And uh, there was um, on my university campus, a friend of mine was a victim of a serial killer. And I was at a point where I wanted a guide dog, not a vicious guide dog. I just wanted a guide dog. And I wouldn't mind if it were a German Shepherd, you know, so Lady was amazing. And when you're talking about the being a member of the class of 2022, Lady is so deserving of this because she attended four major universities with me. She uh, student taught with me in Ann Arbor. She was with me when we taught high school in New York, and uh, she traveled overseas several countries that we lived in. We lived in uh, a year in Stockholm. We spent a summer in Geneva and a summer in Strasbourg, France working. This dog was amazing. She was only 15 months old when I got her in 1969. Though uh, She's a leader dog. Back then, all the dogs were donated. And we worked for eight years together, which was too short from my way of thinking, but she was absolutely amazing. We moved to New York a year after I got her, that first year we had spent in Ann Arbor. And in New York, you know, we started out just getting to know our block. And then little by little, I expanded um, with the lady, our travels. And I felt then, well, I'm only going to be in New York for six weeks to finish a master's degree. And I'll put up with it for that long because I knew I was going to hate it. And that was like 50 years ago. But lady, we didn't have any uh, additional O&M instruction. So we were on our own. And little by little, we learned um, to use buses on our own. We went down to a subway and little by little <laughs> learned the routes 
This dog was so amazing. She was so conscientious. I just can't say enough about what she did for me in my life. And the thing is that I was very shy back then. I was very insecure. I was new, new, fairly newly, totally blind. You know, I had been an extremely low partial for quite a while. And she gave me confidence. She gave me poise. I just loved having her at my side. And she opened a lot of doors for me. Uh, when I was a partial and denying that I had any vision problems, you know, people didn't know what, what was different about me. Somebody smile at me. I wasn't responding. And people didn't know how to approach me. With a guide dog, people came up, oh my God, that dog is so beautiful and so amazing. And you know, such a life changer. And from then on, I could never imagine myself going through life without a guide dog at my side. And, you know, in, in my uh, nominating letter, I mentioned some of her amazing stories, but she truly is deserving of this award. And I really thank Sunday Edition and GGY for uh, passing this award on to Lady. She really deserves the recognition. So, Sarah, tell us about one of your guide dogs. Well, right now, I just received my third guide dog, uh, Megan, in this past April. But my journey began with my guide dog in 2000 at the age of uh, 43. In January, I suddenly lost my vision. And within two weeks, I went from being able to see and drive and work full time to I lost at least 75% of my vision. So my world came to a screeching halt there. And I still had kids at home. They were a little older. My self-esteem, my self-confidence went straight down the tubes. I was insecure, depressed, mm -hmm. and I just didn't know how to live as a blind woman. And um, I, I went to rehab and things such as that. And then in 2006, I met someone in the Lions Club and he said, have you thought about getting a guide dog? And I knew of guide dogs, what people call seeing eye dogs, but I didn't know how to go about or, or anything. So he gave me information, introduced me to leader dog. I applied to leader dog in April of 2006. And I arrived on the campus that same year of August and received my first uh, guide dog, Tico, a male black Labrador. He was about 71 pounds. And when I learned I was going to get a guide dog. I was so excited. And uh, later they were saying, you know, you should get out and use your cane, you know, because you're going to be doing a lot of walking. So this is somebody, I didn't walk to my own mailbox for a year and a half, which is down the driveway. And I grabbed my cane after leader dog said, and I started walking. And um, then I, I met Tico, he came bouncing in the room, jumped up gate. I was sitting down and he, he gave me a lick and then was scurrying around the room. And I, I knew, I knew this was 
the uh, door that, you know, God closes one door and opens another. And this, mm-hmm. this, I found my door that God opened for me. And it was amazing. Our first walk, the first time putting the harness on, and I took a hold of that harness and said forward. And I just burst into tears. I was so, and the freedom that it gave me to walk and the confidence yeah. I stood yeah. taller. I, and and I will be forever grateful to to Tico and and Leader Dogson. And then, like others, after we got home, Tico and I went to schools and any place who invited us to talk about guide dogs. You know, we were there, and I would take the harness off and let kids, you know, pet them as well. But we we traveled. Uh, uh, a few places together, but sadly, uh, he developed uh, acute lymphocytic uh, leukemia and, and passed uh, uh, in 2011. But hmm. those five and five years we had hmm. together were amazing, and, and I am so grateful that he touched my life. And uh, these dogs are such life changers, and and it just goes straight to your heart. Absolutely, it's, it's wonderful. I am very honored to announce the winner of one of our class of 2022 Furry Tail Black, which goes to Linda Schneider. And Linda, please tell us about your dog, Ives, that you nominated. Ives the Dancer, Linda and Monica Schneider, April 14th, 2022. As my previous dog, Teddy, began slowing down. I applied to seeing eye again for home placement in 2018 because of my increasing difficulties with balance and arthritis. The school knew that I would need a special dog who could do some of the things that Teddy already learned. They decided to wait until 2019 or early 2020 after my hip surgery to send an instructor to do a Juno walk at my home. When they eventually did, they were concerned about whether I would have enough use for a dog, given my restricted mobility. In 2020, the pandemic struck. Eventually, Seeing I and all the major schools had to suspend their in-building classes on account of fears of spreading the virus among the staff and students. For a while, the school even closed their kennel facilities until it was safe to resume operations at the facility. Also, many states began to impose quarantine requirements for travelers going and coming from their jurisdictions. That meant that it would be difficult for them to send someone to Arlington, VA from Morristown, New Jersey, because the instructor would have to quarantine after returning home when he slash she finished training me. For two months after Teddy died, I was completely without a dog for the first time in 43 years. Seeing I knew that I needed to retire Teddy, and they said they were trying to find the right, special dog for me. They knew about my physical limitations. I didn't know when the quarantine window would open up enough to let someone come from the seeing eye, and I knew that if they started classes in the meantime, they couldn't necessarily keep a dog in reserve for me. Also, no one knew when the vaccines might be developed. I desperately wanted another canine partner. Despite my own concerns about my mobility and stamina, I told God in tears that I really wanted to have another good dog again, after Teddy died. Seeing I kept looking for the right dog. The Lord must have intervened. The quarantine window opened up for a short period of time. The school called to say that they had found a possible good match. On October 9, 2020, Tom Pender came to my house for another home placement. It turns out that he was the instructor who trained me at the school with my fourth dog, Gemma. In 2002, he brought me Ives, a black Labrador slash golden retriever cross. Ives was born on January 26, 2018, and he was almost three when he came to me. The delays in training schedule caused by the pandemic might have resulted in his being the oldest non-breeder guide with whom I trained. Ives, for whom he is named, happens to be the patron saint of lawyers. On the following week, Tom worked with us on the route to church and some walking in the neighborhood, as well as trips to PetSmart for supplies and an ID tag. Because I'm not retired, 
We did not have to practice anything to do with the work environment. We just had the window of opportunity and time. The quarantine was imposed again while we were training. Poor Tom had to isolate for a period of time at home after he came back from training us. Ives is a very gentle, loving dog. He works conscientiously and patiently with my slow pace, and he is very solicitous for my welfare. I call him my dancing partner, because he seems to sense intuitively how we need to move together. He knows when to let and when to follow. He shares qualities with my other previous five dogs. Like Vincent, he keeps close track of what I'm doing and where I am, reminds me of what I usually do, and seems to understand what I say to him. Like Mickey, he has an upbeat, happy personality and loves company. Like Remus, he knows how to bring me a ball in my hand when we play in the living room. Like Gemma, he is prompt to comfort me or calm me down if he thinks that I am unhappy or upset. Like Teddy, he provides solid support for me on steps and curbs. He also is a big snuggly, cuddly bear and likes to love me and be loved and patted. He is another manifestation of God's love. I have won the puppy lottery yet again. I have a black ball retriever cross Ives. He is my sixth guide dog. I thank you very much. And uh, as one of the furry tails... Thank you, thank you, thank you, Linda. We look forward to hearing how much you love your paw-shaped photo frame plaque when you get it. Thank you very much. And now I'd like to introduce Audrey Gunther, who is going to talk about her dog, Jesse, who is being inducted into the 2022 class of furry tales. Welcome, Audrey. We just returned from a wonderful week-long vacation in one of the many magical resorts in Disney World. As I gradually reduced the mountain of mail waiting for me, I came across a rather important-looking envelope from our local county courthouse. Opening the envelope, I soon learned I was being summoned for grand jury duty in just a few weeks. I called the clerk of court a few days before we were to meet to inform her that our paratransit service was rarely punctual and that I could not guarantee that my guide dog, Jesse, and I could meet their 8.30 a.m. schedule. No problem, she responded. We'll send a deputy to pick you up. The next Monday morning I dutifully got Jesse and myself ready for a day of unknown adventures. Upon arrival at the courthouse, the deputy escorted both Jesse and me through the metal detectors and a rather thorough security screening a routine necessary any time entering or re-entering the building. The room was filled with anxious people who were all praying their assigned numbers would not be called for the six-month duty. Slowly the crowd began to dwindle down, but Jesse and I were still among the remaining candidates. One by one, 24 numbers were called and mine was the last. We were then instructed to report to the upstairs courtroom for further elimination. Eventually and methodically folks were accepted or excused. I was one of the lucky ones to proudly wear the badge signifying me as an official grand juror. We were then told to report to the grand jury courtroom where we immediately began to hear police officers testify regarding various arrests made in their jurisdiction. We were given a printed affidavit with all pertinent information and we had to make sure the information given us by the officers matched that on our affidavits. Afterwards, we'd all take a vote to indict or acquit. Once the judge was made aware of my blindness, he was concerned that I would not be able to read the affidavits. I assured him that I could, indeed read, ellipsis, I just couldn't see without magnification. He then authorized the purchase of a 42-inch closed-circuit TV. A few months later our deputy escort picked us up and once again we headed for the courthouse. By now Jesse had become quite the celebrity and the security officers, bailiffs and others all referred to him as the courthouse canine. In fact, to eliminate having to go through the metal detectors and security scans each time Jesse had to be relieved, we simply summoned a deputy to take him outside. They actually started a Jesse escort drawing with the lucky individual winning the opportunity to take Jesse out to his relief area. Now, when I know that we are going to be stationary for a while, I'll remove Jesse's harness. Prop it up next to the wall behind me and let him lie down beside me. It was on one of those occasions that we had heard an unusual number of cases from several officers from their individual jurisdictions. After listening to a rather long-winded, monotone female deputy, Jesse, obviously bored to his max, stood up, shook, 
gave a loud audible yawn, walked over to his harness leaning against the wall, slipped his head through the leather straps and walked over to me, as if to say, Mom, I've had as much of her talking as I can stand, let's go, trying to suppress my laughter at his antics. I finished putting his harness on him and announced to the crowd that Jesse obviously felt the call of nature. I'm not sure if anyone heard me through all the laughter. We returned to the grand jury room about 30 minutes later and folks were still laughing. In fact, they'd taken Jesse's lead and called for a 30-minute break. My brother was one of those hard-working deputy sheriffs assigned to that courthouse and he still laughs about that day and says the others who work there continue to ask about their courtroom canine. We appreciate what you all are doing and these perfect little angels are being recognized for the angels that they are. Jesse has... Um, enriched my life completely. He is my second guide. I got him the very day I retired my first guide, Zach, and um, it's been a whirlwind ever since. I tell people that Zach was my limousine and Jesse is my sports car. He knew two speeds, stop and full speed ahead. And wherever we went, we got there in a hurry. And uh, Jesse was also my courtroom canine because he and I were summoned three times to three different kinds of jury duty. We were accepted for two, and the first one was a holy chaos. But it was something that we could look back and laugh at because um, you have to laugh at it. People's ignorance sometimes is so ridiculous that it's comical. But um, we do appreciate being recognized, Jesse being recognized. Jesse will be 14 in about 35 days. We thank God for every minute that we have him here with us. And he's here somewhere looking for something to eat, I'm sure. That seems to be his full-time job now is to look for something to eat. Anthony, I have uh, Laurel Jean here, and she can share some of the things that um, Jesse and I have been able to do over the course of the last, oh, it's been 11 years now. Yeah, it's been a while. The first thing that I remember is Audrey being so concerned, having retired her first guide and looking toward getting her second guide and wondering about their bond and how they would be together. And one of the things I told her was, I'm sure he'll do some endearing little thing that uh, will warm your heart and you two will just... Uh, be just right for each other. And so when she got home with him, that very night when she got home, I was there and he was sitting at the foot of her recliner and he whimpered and she kicked back her kickstand of the recliner and he promptly jumped into her lap. And until he got to the point where he really can't do that anymore because of some neuropathy and arthritis and other issues that he has, he was in her lap more often than he wasn't. When they weren't working and when they were at home just hanging out, he was in her lap. 70 pounds of dog <laughs> in her lap. So that was one of my favorite memories of them together. And Bernie couldn't figure out, Bernie's my current guide, and he couldn't figure out why in the world Jesse was sitting up in my lap. So one of the things that I really remember about Jesse is um, we went to Disney World one time, and he wanted to be all kinds of things. He was a wonderful hero for his mom, but one thing that he definitely did not want to be was a pirate because we went on the Pirates of the Caribbean, and he was down at her feet on the ride, and everything had been cleared for him to be on the ride. And we got to that one last little place where it just sort of, the end of the boat sort of dips up and then kind of goes down into the water a little bit, and that dog jumped up and was headed over the back of the seat. And I remember catching him in my arms in midair. <laughs> and uh, so the 
So the boy can fly now. He really can. <laughs> Thank you. Those are so wonderful memories. Thank you for sharing. And I hope that when you receive the plaque, you're excited by it. And in August, the website will go up and we will forever be able to remember Jesse, the pirate dog, the nun pirate dog. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I believe that was our last one. Jeff, thank you so much for streaming that for us. So for the folks out there listening, I don't think you could hear, but there were plenty of um, beautiful laughter at some of these stories and some of the great memories. We have a couple of people in the room that we're going to recognize. The first person that we're going to hear from is Cecily and Shadow. So I'm going to give Cecily's letter and then she'll speak a little bit and we'll go to the next person who's here live. Furry tail submission. Guide dog. Shadow of the Guide Dog Foundation. Smithtown, New York. Handler. Cecily Lanny Nipper of Covington, Georgia. May 6, 2022. What can I say about Shadow 9835? That was her number at the foundation, and how she was introduced to me on the day we met. It was not at all what I imagined. Having been encouraged to keep her calm at first meeting, with her being a two-year-old with still a lot of puppy left in her, and me being overcome with emotion, calmness was not really possible. On our first walk at a local park, Rather than feeling freedom, I felt terror, although my trainer was still at the other end of the safety leash. Shadow was so fast. After 10 years of visual impairment, and just a few years of the white cane, I had become used to crawling along. For the first half of training, and even up until my reluctant trip home, I was concerned about the match because of her speed. However, the night we got home, two things happened. First, at the airport, on the way to the car, Shadow bravely navigated us through the parking garage, a situation that would have been difficult for me on my own because the echoes and low light triggered disorientation. Then, after returning home, we realized we had neglected to purchase a few items I wanted to have for her first night, so we made a last-minute trip to Walmart. As we entered the store together, I knew the dog supplies were at the back, so I instructed her, forward. We freely navigated past store shelves, displays, and obstacles without me ever even having to encounter those obstacles as I always had with my cane. In that moment, I felt the long-sought freedom that I had not felt since losing my vision. Shadow did that, and I love her for it. As we settled in as a team, we negotiated agreement about speed. I'm still not sure if she brought me up to speed or if I brought her down to earth. But either way, we're a team. Now at the midpoint of her fourth year, she has matured and, in some ways, so have I. As I lose vision, I am building a deeper trust in my dog. As Shadow protects my life daily, our mutual devotion is irreplaceable. One funny story, when we were just a few months in as a team, we traveled to Alexandria. VA to attend an ACB function there. Oh, the freedom of those sidewalks. It felt like we could go anywhere. My Instagram is devoted to shadow and getting to know other handlers and puppy raisers. So I am always looking for the perfect picture. Every so often, when I encountered a photo opportunity, we would stop and she would patiently sit stay while I extended the leash and took the photo. At one such photo opportunity, I had her sit and stay in front of a Catholic church beside a nine foot tall statue of the Blessed Mother. Just then, a bird flew out from somewhere behind shadow. She jumped so high and my heart was in my throat. Thankfully, all of us, and the statue, remain unharmed. Thank you for considering this nomination of my first guide, Shadow. Okay, so here's Cecily. I want to thank GDUI and Sunday Edition for honoring Shadow with this award. I truly believe she deserves it. She is my first guide. I got her from the Guide Dog Foundation in 2019. And she has been amazing. She was the bright spot in the pandemic. We found outdoor routes around our house that we never knew existed while we were trying to work through the pandemic and keep her skills up to date. She is a very serious worker and doesn't like to chill too much, but we get home and I take the harness off. She is a 
goofball rolling around on the floor, kicking her feet in the air, free from her long day of work. And she's even done that at nights in the hotel room. Haven't you girl? She's been great. She gets along with our family cats. They're her friends. She snuffles them. Not sure they appreciate that. And uh, she loves her grandma and grandpa too. Comes to get love from, from all of us every morning. She's a very loving girl. And I really appreciate how she has literally changed my life. She's educated people everywhere she goes. And in the market, we hear kids say, oh, dad, there's a dog. And they'll say, yep, that's a service dog. She's working, helping, you know in the stores and three churches that, that I've attended that have uh, learned to welcome her. And she has been welcomed in each of them. Sometimes a little too exuberantly. I I'm the type that has to remind, okay, let's say, because she won't stay calm. If a stranger was allowed to love on her, she just gets too excited still. So I don't let people do it, but they've learned to look at her and admire her. Hey, Lainey. Hey, shadow. I go by Lainey at church. Anyway, thank you for this award. And, uh, Thank you to the foundation for giving me the dog. My name is Kathy Lyons. And for 39 years, I had uh, guide dogs from Guiding Eyes for the Blind. And I'd like to talk about my first dog. When I got him, they said his name was Alan, A-L-L-E-N. Well, I had a sister named Ellen. And friends of mine had a son named Alan. It was so confusing. But the worst part was every day we went downtown and passed Allen Street, the driver would call out, Allen, and my dog would get up. That name had to go. So I renamed him, and I had been singing, What's it all about, Allen? So I thought, Oh, now I can sing the song the right way. So I named him Alfie. I was on the nightly news and the with the YWCA had a run that night. And there were a couple places in the run where there was a loop. So I skipped the loops and did the rest of the walk. And the Channel 4 people that was a CBS affiliate in Buffalo just ate it up. They thought it was terrific that this woman was out walking with her guide dog. And about five times that night, we heard on the news. And when we come back, Kathy Lyons and her guide dog, Alfie. And then they, after about five of those, they actually ran the story for a good five minutes. So the next day at the Y, there was a message for me. This woman had called me and she wondered about the dog. So I thought to myself, well, if she's complaining, I can hang up. If she's complimenting, that's fine. And if she wants to know more about guiding eyes and all of that, that's fine, too. I figure there, this is a win-win situation. So I called the woman back, and she said that she had raised a dog named Alfie for guiding eyes and wondered if this was her Alfie. I said, oh, it couldn't be. I changed his name. And she said, well, I would like to be, get to know you anyway, because if it's not my Alfie, it's his brother. I said, okay, fine. So I gave her contact information. They came to the house. Alfie went running to the door, wagging his tail. So I figured that was a pretty good clue. They came in and the dog ignored the woman, but played with a rubber toy I had for him with her husband. And she said, that can't be my dog. He wouldn't ignore me. 
I said, well, don't you have paperwork? She went to her purse. I went to my purse. It was the same ID number that was, in fact, her Alfie. So when Shakespeare says, what's in a name, I've got a story for him. And I worked with Alfie until he was 10 and a half, and we had some wonderful times together. One of the funniest ones I remember is we had a picnic out at a grove, and where the picnic area was was way, way back from the street, and the parking was in front. So I took his harness and his leash off and let him be free. And I was mentioning to someone that I was looking for ice cream, and they told me there wasn't any. But I always remember there had been ice cream at this picnic. And uh, so at the very beginning, they had juice, clam juice, beer, pop. And then later on, they had a dinner. But they were waiting for the kids to have their lunch first before they put the made the ice cream known. Well, I was wondering about it. And I thought, you know, I haven't seen my dog in a few minutes. I better find out what's going on. So I called him. He came out of the kitchen with his tail up with an ice cream sandwich bar in his mouth. (laughs) And he was clearly bringing it to me because when I reached for it, he let me take it. And so then the guys in the kitchen accused each other of stealing the ice cream. (laughs) It was my guide dog. I'm not sure how he knew that that item was the ice cream that I was talking about, but he brought me ice cream and he just was so great to show me that I can travel with limited vision. I had more vision then than I have now, certainly. And as someone said earlier, your first dog is, it just leaves a mark in your heart. He was so important to me. There were so many stories that I could tell. He used to um, get treats from people at work. And one day we went in and he ran me into a desk to go get to his treat. That was the end of that practice. So you you learn as you go along. We have an honorable mention, as it happens in the world of guide dog users. Sometimes you get your call for your next guide dog unexpectedly. And we had a beautiful submission from Deanna Noriega, who will also be recognized, but she was unable to come to convention this year because she is now receiving her, I think it's eighth dog. Um, But we're going to have her on that Sunday edition, the third Sunday in August when the website will go live and we'll talk to Deanna and she will have at that point have already gotten her plaque and we'll get to know her and her puppy. So Sarah, do you have any closing remarks before we close this out? Oh, Anthony, this has been a terrific uh, event and furry tales and all of these stories is it, just amazing uh, how our, what our guide dogs do for us, not just guiding us, but just within our lives and, Thank you, everybody, for submitting your nominations and everybody for attending. And, and thank you, Anthony, for bringing this to GDUI because uh, th- this was your uh, creation from the beginning. So thank you for including us. Absolutely. We're going to take just an extra couple of minutes because Rebecca and Alicia are here. I was calling out, but I guess they didn't hear me. So let's Terrific. recognize Alicia first. Okay, so hi, I'm Alyssa, and I guess my dog Opus was 
chosen to be acknowledged for Fuzzy Tales. Opus was a leader dog that I worked with or had for 13 years. We did a lot of great adventures like everyone else. Um, The title of my story that I wrote about him was Chocolate Brown, Rich and Sweet, because that's basically what our experience was about. He was one thick-headed, strong-willed, hardworking boy. And we had many adventures, but it ended up being a very rich and sweet experience to go through that journey with him. He was my first only and last. And that's probably the way it's going to stay because I agree with the the first thing. So thank you for choosing him. Hi, I'm Rebecca Shields and um, I have nominated Rizzo, my first uh, leader dog. And uh, April of 2008, Rizzo and I were brought together, a beautiful 16-month-old yellow male lab. We bonded very quickly, and we um, walked the roots of leader dog. And I stood on the same corner that my mother stood on 56 years earlier and um, guided with her dog. So that dog was in my heart, but I'd never had one of my own. Rizzo was a wonderful dog, and I want to thank the people who have put this together, Anthony um, with Fuzzy Tales and GDUI, and our shining stars um, that you've chosen, and those who have, will, and continue guiding blind people to shine the paths where they walk. I'm so proud to have Rizzo a part of this um, legacy that will go on. He did many wonderful things in my life and, and allowed me the freedom to walk independently, and I miss him very much. Um, this actually is a very special day. I put Rizzo down a year ago today. So as Rizzo crossed the bridge, um, the Rainbow Bridge, a year ago, today, I feel like I'm on the side of a bridge and very proud of the independence and the freedom that our dogs bring us. And I could tell many stories like the lady said, there's way too many to tell. But the one story that I have is, is that he was a very dedicated committed and protective friend that I don't believe I will ever be able to replace. Thank you so much. All the letters that we were not able to get to today, Kathy and, and, and everyone else will be on the website and on Sunday edition. Thank you so much for listening to Furry Tales 2022. Have a great convention, everyone.